If you're a boomer, wondering what to do with all this unstructured time on your hands? Well, join host Chuck Inman and Ron Hostry as they share with boomers how to be your best on your next journey by finding your passion, choosing your adventure, and igniting your activity. And now, stay tuned for The Adventures of Unstructured Time. Good morning, this is Ron Hoster and 21.6 The Net in the studio with The Adventures of Unstructured Time. Sitting in a chair right across from me is... Chuck Edmund. Hey, Ron, good morning. It's good hey, to be here. good morning. Hey, rough trip coming in this morning, huh? It was rated hard. We got over an inch of rain since midnight, and it's still raining out there. I tell you, it's, a, it's amazing how fast people drive when it's raining. <laughs> And how fast they go off the road when they, <laughs> when they don't control their driving on wet roads. Chuck, over 10,000 people are turning age 65 every day in America. That is amazing. That's one every eight seconds. That's an amazing statistic. But what's even more amazing, that's going to continue to happen for the next 10 years. That's a lot of people. That's what, 72, 73 million people in 10 years? Exactly. That's amazing. Yep. Now, in talking to a lot of the people that are going through this transition, many of them have taken a proactive stance and hired a financial planner to say, how much money will I have for between now and when I'm, you know, no longer breathing air? And many of them have engaged a state planner to make sure that their children are well cared for after they're gone. But the majority of the people I run into have no idea what they're going to do as they transition from a life of success and a career to a life of unstructured time. The whole purpose of this show is to help people to live the adventures that are within us. That we all have adventures that, have, that we don't even know we have but also to make sure that the rest of our life is the best of our life. Now, what's the best way to do that? Well, Ron, that's a great question. And, and really one of the best ways to do that, and we, we walk people through this, it's like, how do you find your passion? Finding that sense of purpose. How do you choose your adventure? Once you figure out what that passion is. How do you ignite your activity? And then finally, dealing with default behaviors. My goodness, what, what derails us? And how do we deal with that and get back on track? And so today's show, we're going to focus on creating new habits and routines to help us with that. Okay. Uh, last week, in last show, we talked about the default behaviors that hold us back from going forward. And we're going to talk about establishing new habits Correct. today. Correct. Okay, about how we go through the process of creating those new habits and the importance of those new habits so that we can move forward, that we can start to unlock the significance in our lives when we don't have all of the pressures of being in an structured environment. Exactly. And and really, it's kind of a tough show, Ron, because if you think about it, most people think about, well, I'm going to create new habits. I'll just wait till, you know, January, the you know, first of the year, and I'll come up with my New Year's resolutions. And guess how well that works for America? <laughs> <laughs> it's like 93% of those New Year resolutions are dropped within two weeks. So we're going to explore how do we take that just a little bit farther and make sure that the things that are important enough to us that we actually make those happen for us. Well, I was thinking about investing in health clubs from January 1st to January 15th and then kind of sit back because most of those people 
The only exercise they get after January 15th is writing a check every month. <laughs> exactly. It, it, it is interesting. People, you'll see up from the health clubs, they're, they're the busiest from the, from the January halfway through February time frame. And then again in May, they decide, oh, I need to get back to the gym and get in shape for the summer. And by the time they even start seeing any results, the summer's gone. <laughs> so, good business you, to be in. You know what I love about the new marketing in stores? Do you know the relaxed fit labels that are on clothes? Right. <laughs> Those are basically the next size up. <laughs> but they don't want people to think they went from a large to a double X. <laughs> so they put relaxed fit. <laughs> exactly. It, it calms that inner, inner soul for you. Well, you know, that kind of gives us a segue into carrying a, an example forward that we had from, from our last show that we started to talk about the default behaviors and how they inhibit us from losing weight. Right. And why don't we use that as an example to go forward, only because there's so many people that that's one of the resolutions they make. Right. One of the habits they want to create to maintain their health, understanding that's going to be an important part of their journey forward. Exactly, and we've all gone through that at one time or another, so it's, it's very applicable. You know, and, and we, when we look at the benefits, it's not like there, there's new benefits that have been discovered in the last five years or so. I mean, we lose weight and we try and become fit because we want to look better. We want to feel better. We want to have more energy. We want to be more productive, be more positive. Those are all things that should motivate us, right? And yet on Monday morning, what happens? <laughs> we don't jump out of bed and begin a program to start losing weight. Why do you think that is, Ron? Well, because it's always next week. Exactly. Yeah, we can procrastinate <laughs> a lot easier and quicker than we who, can. Who would want to throw out a perfectly good half a chocolate cake? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, we're going to assume that it's a, a goal that's important to us based on the earlier work that we've done with our dreams and goals. And so we're going to explore a little bit more of what our mind might be dealing with when we talk about this. And so... First and foremost, you know, pattern, pattern development, okay, and those are three words pulled together that kind of sound difficult, but they're not, you know, just pattern, habit, pattern, development. <laughs> That's easy for you to Exactly, say. but is effectively determined by the intensity of the emotion, and you realize, you know, after teaching emotional intelligence for years, I'm kind of partial to how those emotions respond to stimuli and affect our lives, so we're going to... are you talking about when I get up and yell at my wife? Yeah, that could be part. I mean, is that the type of emotion you're talking about, or is it something that's deeper than that? Well, it's something a little bit deeper than that. It's, we, have, uh, we have different emotions that, that respond to stimuli in the world. And once we start to understand how that affects our behavior, then we can take a little bit more control over that. And we can start to arrange things so that works in our favor instead of being a default behavior. And so and it allows us to start working in a, in a particular way. So let's, let's go back and look at some childhood things that uh, will help us you know, get in mind. What is this, the intensity of the emotion? What does that mean? Well, you know, if you touch a hot stove, you know, or a live electrical wire, it'll give you immediate pain or shock, right? And, and that pattern of behavior for life may change in the moment. And that emotion you just experienced was intense. I mean, I can remember as a, as a kid watching my dad he was welding a, a, a trailer doing some work on it he cut off a p couple of pieces of angle iron he said don't touch that when it's red because it's hot 
And I was about five or six, and I watched, and it went from red to black. And I'm going, oh, it must be cool. And I walked over and picked it up. It burned the tips of my fingers <laughs> and my thumb. I mean, it was just, it was terrible. And luckily, we had some ice and put some ice. And I'm going, oh, man, you know, lesson learned. You know, hot, hot metal is intense and stuff. And, and so, and the other one that I have is, you know, tested my older brother and good God, he was always having me test out things. He said, hey, check and see if this battery is good. I said, how do you do that? He said, well, just take these two posts and lick them. And he said, you'll get this little sugary, sugary taste and flavor if that's good. <laughs> Man, it was a brand new battery. It just zapped the heck out of my tongue. I still, I'll go find something to plug on battery onto instead of, I just, that intensity of <laughs> that emotion of taste of that battery was just too much. But, but you've got a little bit of a story to share with us, don't you? About Well, a, I'll tell you, when I was about six years old, uh, I was a do-it-yourselfer. There, when, if there was something that was wrong, I wanted to fix it. I was an enabler, I was a fixer, and everything else. Well, the closet light went out, and so I went into the closet. It was a little walk-in closet in, in the back of her room, and I got a stool, and I got just high enough on my tip-tops I could unscrew the bulb. And I put a new bulb in and flipped the switch. I was going to be so proud, and it didn't come on. And so I said, well, you know, I think I will go ahead and get a screwdriver. And I went and got a screwdriver and carefully backed the screws out of that little white porcelain fixture <laughs> that was sitting there. And I pulled it out and I said, well, I'm going to see if these uh, wires are any good. And I pulled it out to check the wires and hit the screwdriver across both those leads. And it <laughs> smacked me up against <laughs> the other side of the closet, just like one of those UFC fights. And I smashed into that wall and slithered down, just sat there, my whole body tingled. <laughs> and to this day, I w had a default behavior that always told me I was allergic to electricity. <laughs> I didn't even like it when the kids would go play at the, the playground and they had the rubber mats and they had the swing sets and they'd come up and hit me with one of those little <laughs> static shocks. I would take off like a rocket ship. And it's all because of that experience that kept me from ever dealing with electricity and electrical wires uh, for the majority of my life. Right. Do you remember when shag carpet was the big rage? Uh, oh, we had avocado, green, and gold <laughs> shag carpet in our first house. To, to, to match the appliances, I bet. Absolutely. <laughs> but... My brother would do this consistently. He'd put on a, a pair of socks and go shuffle it on the shack and then sneak up behind you and zap the back of your ear. Oh, my gosh. It just it, I look at shag carpet, and I still shudder <laughs> for many reasons, but that electrical shock was, was one of them. But. When it's low humidity, I take a key out and hold the key and touch <laughs> the door. <laughs> exactly. Well, let's go back to our losing weight example as we talk about the intensity of the emotion. You know, and, you know, many people talk about losing weight and, you know, resolve to lose weight and become physically fit. But yet sometimes you can hear those same people talk about it for years. You know, I'm going to do this, going to do this. And then one day the doctor says, hey, if you don't get your weight down and improve your physical condition, you're in danger of dying at an early age. Well, guess what? All of a sudden the thought of dying causes that behavioral change. 
that we've been looking for because all of a sudden you're going, you know what, I'm going to change my diet. I'm going to begin exercising. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to become healthy and fit. And the intensity of the emotion becomes significant where you can actually measure it against something. You know, uh, I'm going to be honest with you. The general statements that he would always say like that didn't trigger me. It's until I got a blood test back once that said that uh, blood sugar was out of control. That it then hit me, it's real. Mm-hmm. Because just you're gonna you gotta lose weight or you're gonna die wasn't specific enough for right. me. Right. And once I got that news, it changed my attitude toward what I had to do. Because prior to that, he he would say, "Well, look, you know, you need to start exercising more." And I said, "Doc, it's so inconvenient to exercise. Yeah, you know, it's going to take an hour, hour and a half. I mean, I've got to go down to the gym. It's like four blocks away. Got to park the car, walk in, exercise, get back in the car, get home, take a shower to go on to the next part of my day." I said, "It's really inconvenient." And he looked at me and said, "Ron." What's more inconvenient to you, exercising an hour a day or being dead 24 hours a day? <laughs> exactly. And that kind of put that into perspective. Right. But, but it had to take a specific incident for me. Right. And, and you talked about the impact of the emotion or the intensity of the emotion. The intensity of the emotion that there was a specific thing that would kill me was far greater than a generalized message that I was going to die. Right. You know, and it was interesting growing up. I I had six of my relatives that died from smoking, from cancer, lung cancer. And it was, what was interesting was none of them thought it was going to happen to them. You know, my dad thought he was in the clear. He retired early and, and moved to him. Mom moved out to a farm in Colorado and, you know, apple trees and, you know, they had sheep and goats and you know, nice little place and, you know, stress-free place, but they still smoked. And then when he got to be, oh, I, I bet 68, you know, right before 70, he, uh, he quit smoking regular cigarettes and went to light cigarettes, thinking that was going to help him. And then at about 73, he uh, went out to visit him and he said, hey, I want to show you this. He showed me an x-ray. He said, he said there's, there's a dot here. You know, they, they found this, you know, this dot. And he said, you know, the doctor says that's not a good thing and I should, you know, probably give up cigarettes. <laughs> and I'm going, you know, and, and you think that that should be significant at this point. Of course, I quit talking to them about quitting smoking when they got over 60. I said, they've, they've lived longer than I anticipated. But for him, that was a significant post. And he, he did something about that and lasted another five years. But it was like sometimes it can be on the very extreme and we still don't take notice of it. So, you know, and I think one of the things to realize is it affects our behavior. It can be intense pain or it can be joy combined with the behavior that can create a habitual, you know, behavioral pattern that can endure for years or a lifetime due to its significance. So we're using this example of losing weight mm-hmm. and intensity of emotion because it's not just about losing weight. That the intensity of the emotion, finding out what your habits are, and then creating new habits, we have to understand, or what you're saying is, is that it's those elements that transition to all habits in our life. 
right. our default behaviors that we talked about last week. That if we recognize the default behavior, recognize the intensity, the emotion that's behind it, that then we can go ahead and maybe start going forward and creating new habits because we are not in the same circumstances and situation that we were prior to leaving a steady income, a business that we've sold, or just the routine that we're in, or if we were an employee for a long time in the job. Right. There's an emotional default behavior attachment to those activities that need to be addressed so we can go forward. Right. I mean, we could be in a completely different environment you know, that we have to deal with. And so, you know, I think one of the, the first things that we look at, you know, developing you know, habits is number one, you know, make a decision that it's, you know, that the habit is going to be a goal for you. And that's one of the reasons we talk so much about, hey, you know, what are your dreams? What are your goals? You know, helping you find your passion. What are those things that you'd really like to do? And sometimes just by getting healthy and fit will give you the energy to go on your next adventure. You know, which is the interesting way to take a look at it. So when we talk about those goals that may be important, you know, whether it's getting in shape, writing a book, or volunteering, you know, what, what the experts suggest is focus on one new habit. It's like too many new habits at one time, and our willpower is spread thin. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just it, it, it goes. And that's why we talked about, you know, New Year's resolutions, why those don't happen, because there's too many at once. It's just brain overload. And our willpower is like we don't, we're not sure where we're coming or going and how do we make any of these things last, and, and it just kind of gets muddled very quickly. Well, does it also come to the point that if I have too many goals and I get stretched thin and I fail at one, I give up on the rest of them? That can happen very easily. That, okay, well, I wasn't successful there, so I'm not going to be successful here. And that self-fulfilling prophecy becomes a yeah, big part of the equation. I've tried goal setting before. None of them worked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, if, but if they're important goals, it's, you know, think about you know, what's the one new habit that you want to form for this goal that's important to you and then channel your willpower into that new habit that you're going to create. And that and it takes a lot. You know, it's like okay, I want to I want to be I want to get physically fit. That's a, that's the habit I want to develop doing the things that are going to allow me to to eat right and be physically fit. So it's like okay, so what is it going to take to make that happen? Doesn't that come from though understanding your passion and and kind of the direction you want to go because if you can establish a purpose for meeting that goal as opposed to just meeting the goal right that changes the whole equation exactly i think for the first time in our lives at, at this particular juncture of our life we can take a look and say how will this activity get us closer to putting us on the path to doing what we really want to do right and it's and that's why we talk about you know fuel for the fuel for their body and but also fuel for the mind and it goes hand in hand and where we work on both of those we're a complete unit when we go after those goals that are most important to us. Yeah, because all of this is a big jigsaw puzzle that has to come together for us to be successful or be significant in the next portion of our life. Exactly, and if we take one goal and and work on it and start to work and seeing it be successful. Then we realize, oh, we can do that exponentially and keep adding additional goals that are important to us and yeah. making that happen. Hey, Chuck, let's just take a break. Uh, 21.6 of the net. And 
let people know there are actually three ways to catch the show. One is to go to 216thenet.com on Monday mornings at 11 a.m. Central Time and click the Listen Live button. The second way is to download an app to your phone. If you have the Google App Store or the Apple Store, to go in and download 21.6 The Net app. And then at 11 o'clock, if you're out in a car, if you're out and about with your mobile device, just hit that app and this show will come up. But the third way is to go to 216thenet.com and look at the past show podcasts. If you've missed a show, if you missed a portion of the show, if you could only listen to the first half of the show and had to move on, you can go there and find the show that you want to listen to and click on it and hear the show as if you were listening to it live. Now, Chuck, if people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, one of the easiest ways is to go to adventurejerky.com. I mean, we've got articles there. You can check out the website. It tells you the things, different things that we have available, the resources we have. You can see the weekly blogs that are there. We even have a blog contest where our listeners and followers have an opportunity to blog about what they're doing, the fun that they're having with their next adventures. And we have contest winners at the end of the month. And, and so adventurejerky.com is a great way to connect with me. And as soon as we lay the foundation for the show, we're going to start sharing some of those. Exactly. Right. To be fun. Great. Well, I didn't mean to take off the track, but I did want to create a new habit of letting <laughs> people know who they were listening to and how to get a hold of you. That's good. So we talked about making the decision. And the decision is, which habit do I want to work on first that will be part of a jigsaw puzzle of habits that I'm going to change to put me in to the best shape to make sure the rest of my life is the best in my life? Exactly. And so what are some of the, the ways to do this? We talked about making a decision. You actually have to make a commitment and a decision to yourself that I am going to change something. I recognize I have a default behavior. It's ice cream every Monday night turn Monday <laughs> night football, followed by a pizza, followed by the nachos, followed by the, the sodas and whatever. And that's something that when I watched... Monday night football with my dad. We, we had a habit, a default behavior to watch the game. But today, the effects of that is much different than when I was eight years old. Right. The metabolism's changed just a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so part of that is, you know, once you decide that that's a decision that you're, you're going to make and one that you want to, you want to form this new habit, the, the second thing is stay focused on your habit and don't allow exceptions to your new habit. You know, it's like, okay, I'm going to exercise three times a week. Things will come up. Stay focused on those three times a week. Or writing a book. We've both written books. And it's like, I'm going to write, you know, three or five times a week. I'm going to write a half an hour a day or, you know, an hour a day. Stick with that and, and, and just be consistent with that. And it's amazing what starts to happen the more that you start to work on that and, and make it happen and, and staying focused with it is really key. So it has to be top of mind. Exactly. And, and one of the things, too, when you talk about, you know, even being top of mind, and, and we've talked in, in past shows about this too, but, but being able to f visualize your finished outcome, you know, being able to f 
to, to visualize, you know, in, in three months, here's what I'm going to look like when I'm standing in front of a mirror. I'm going to feel pretty good about myself and how I'm looking. Or visualize, here's the cover of my book, and here's my book that's going to be on a table. People will be looking through and, uh, you know, hopefully buying. And th- Those well, are some of the... You mentioned about visualizing. <laughs> I told my wife one time, we were sitting there watching uh, America's Got Talent. I said, do you know what? I want to be like Simon where I can wear one of those knit shirts and look really good in it. Yeah. And that was my visualization. But then I've noticed he's getting a little budgier. <laughs> and I, and I had to I had to make sure I had the first vision in my mind instead of the standard that was the the metrics were changing for me to follow. Exactly. When uh, my mom when when she retired and they moved to Colorado she had always wanted to paint and so for a retirement present for her when they got their little farm went up for christmas i bought her an easel a set of paints the uh, the whole bit where she could she, and even some canvases for her and i had called her oh, i think it was in february she goes, she goes well you know it's so cold here she goes it's you know just you know, I have to stay in the house to do it, and it, it, you know all these reasons on why she couldn't be painting. And so, I I said, okay, mom, I want you to visualize when you can start to hear the birds singing and the birds chirping. Visualize your easel out front. And they had a beautiful view of the San Juan Mountains, snow capped in the winter and, and beautiful. And so I said, well, you can set your easel up, your canvas up. And you can start your painting and go and just visualize that every day. When you start to hear the birds, it's, you're getting close to be able to set your, your easel out there and paint. And it got to be the end of March 1st of April. I got a call from her. She was so excited. She said, my easel's up outside. I paint. I've got my first landscape going. It's so much fun. You've got to bring the girls out. I'm going to show them how to paint. And she had a black. And when I would take the girls out, she would paint with them with watercolors. But it was they'd be outside painting, and they just had a blast with it. She goes, "I just have this in my mind now." And for the winters, she goes, "I just I can't wait for spring while I can visualize how I can make that you know get out there and and, and paint like that." And it was it was fun instead of being so frustrated she couldn't paint in the winter time in the house. wasn't not the same. What she would do when she could go out and when the weather warmed up for her. So is the visualization one of the best ways to get past all the excuses? Well, it, when my daughters were younger, both of them trained the schools that they were in, in elementary and, and junior high schools. The uh, physical education departments worked with them, and they trained for the uh, Cowtown uh, 10Ks. They had the Cowtown Marathon, but then they had the 10Ks. And I told them, I will get in shape and run with you. It's run walks, but they trained enough where they could run the, the 10K. And I said, I'll, I'll get in shape with you. Dad, that's going to be such a long ways to go. And I said, but just visualize crossing the finish line. And that was one of the things we always visualized was crossing the finish line. And after we ran the first one, and they, they both ran their first one, then they had pictures where we were standing together, you know, and they give you the little medals for, you know, crossing the finish line. So then they knew what it was like to cross the finish line. So then for them, their training was very easy because they knew what crossing the finish line meant and what it would be. So visualization comes into play. Well, Chuck, visualization is an important factor of deciding which direction we're going to go and everything. But there are a lot of people who visualize what they want to be. 
I visualize being really thin for most of my life. Uh, there are people that visualize they want to do certain activities, but they never quite make it. There are people we know in this National Speaker Association that visualize themselves on big stages with three big screens behind them giving speeches. But I've never seen them on a big stage giving speeches. So there's got to be other factors that are required to create new habits that will get you toward the goal that you want to have of being significant. Uh, what are some of those items? Well, that, that, that's interesting perspective that you bring up there, Ron. It's, you know, don't confuse visualizing with wishing. <laughs> because we can wish for a lot of things and, and those don't happen. But if, but if you look at what we've followed to get to this point, we've talked about you know writing things down, writing down your dreams and goals and, and working through those and figuring out which goals are based upon your values and, and the values that are important to you and where you want to go. And as you start to look then at, at you know, picking out your, you know, you're finding that passion and picking your adventure, well, then you've got to be persistent and you're going, okay, now here's a habit I want to have that's going to take me in this direction. You've got to be persistent with that. And until it's so automatic and easy, you actually feel uncomfortable when you don't do something. And one of the interesting things I watch, and there's moms that have got this figured out pretty well in, in, a, in a regard, because when, when I work out in the mornings, it's, I watch the women who come to the fitness center after dropping off their kids at school. So while they're out and about delivering the kids, they just go ahead and hit the gym after they drop the kids off. And so that actually you know, helps out that, that habit of you know, being together with an established habit. It's like while I'm up and, up and about, hit the gym afterwards. So, so persistency. Persistency is, is, is key, but, but I think even, even more key is, is start off with small steps. You know, it's, you know we, we look at some of these goals that we have and we say, well, I'm going to go write a book and I'm going to do it tonight. <laughs> and, that, and that doesn't always happen. It's, you know, you focus on the small wins. And, and each time you have a win, you know, you're, there's that emotion within you going, yay, that was good. I had a win. You're feeling good about that. But sometimes emotion alone, you know, can't help you form a new habit if you're not in the mood. You know, the, and the way to make a habit stick is turn it into an automatic behavior, kind of like brushing your teeth. You know, it's an automatic. If you want to have a fresh, you know, fresh breath or fresh mouth, brush your teeth. Oh, but, well, we're on radio. It doesn't really <laughs> matter that much. But what was interesting, I, I had forgot how we start to create simple habits. And the first couple of nights that you know, my grandson would come over for sleepovers, he'd go into his room and he'd walk in in the dark and he said, Grandpa, I can't find this. And I said, but you got to turn the light on, the light switch on. And at his house, he always had a lamp on in his room. In Grandpa's house, he didn't have the light on. So he'd walk in in the dark, and then he couldn't figure out why he couldn't find anything. I said, so here's what we do. And I made a little stick for him that, you know, you push the switch up, the light comes on, it had a little hook on it, and then you pull it down, it turns it off. So he, then he goes, oh, to see in the dark push the switch up, you know, and, and when I'm finished with the, you know, the light, turn it off, and just creating just a simple habit like that, and we forget what it takes, but now we don't think about turning on the light to see in the dark, mm -hmm. but that's what we do to make those types was, of was things. Was that happen. a metal stick or a wooden stick? It was a wooden stick. <laughs> that's good, because I wouldn't want them to have a, a default 
aversion to electricity when you grew up like I did. <laughs> exactly. But but part of it is like, okay, I'm going to get in shape. Well, don't go out and run a 10K on your first day where you then you can't get out of bed for a week. You know, take it, you know, walk, you know, five to 10 minutes just starting out. Just, you know, get a feel for it. Let your body get used to what's going on and think about how you're going to do this. How are your new shoes fitting, your clothing, you know, how's everything working for you, feeling good. And then, you know, the next time, you know, add an extra two minutes to it or so and just doing those those small things you know if you're writing write a couple of paragraphs a day you don't have to write a whole chapter a day write a couple of paragraphs and just you know then you know look over it and think about it and you'll be amazed at what starts to happen the synergy that starts to build once you start making these small habits you know that you're they're they're good creative habits that you have well let me take it to a different step we're always talking about losing weight and everything but I'm making a transition from a career to something I might have an interest in, either a hobby or something else. Couldn't some of those habits be, I'm going to read three articles a day Mm -hmm. that's going to let me know more about this to develop an interest in this area? The the habit isn't always a physical situation of doing something. It could be a commitment to improving or gaining more knowledge in an area to make a decision uh, to go forward. And, and as you go in to find your passion, one of the ways you find your passion is to explore many different areas. Right. And you can do that through Google. You can do that through magazines. You can get involved in, in speaking to other people. Maybe, maybe a habit is I'm going to go out and explore through people that I know are in this area that I may have an interest in. And meet with them. Right. It, so it's not just a physical. The, the creating the habits and making small steps will be just to start motion in some direction. Right. And, and a great example to, to share with you on that is, so if it's, a, okay, I'm going to read three articles a day to learn about this. And so, but while I do that, I read that, you know, green tea is good for me. So I'm going to have a cup of green tea, get in the habit of having a cup of green tea while I read through my articles. And you just kind of combine those two, just kind of having them work together for you, which works real well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. I, I have studied to know what you're supposed to eat and what's supposed to be good for you. Having traveled around the world, I've realized there's all sorts of stuff you can be eating that's good for you. I don't There's do a lot of stuff you eat that looks back at you. <laughs> exactly. And one of the things I've come to find out, I, I used to try and, and eat healthy and with fresh foods and everything else. And then one time I saw a show that said, you don't have to buy it all fresh. You can buy it frozen because that's right when the, the fruits, the freshest, they flash freeze it and you're fine with that. And I said, you know what? I should, when I get finished with my workouts, I should have my protein shake and just put everything I need for the day into that shake. So I will put in my 10 to 12 blueberries for their antioxidant properties. I'll put in my strawberries. I'll put in my kale. I'll put in my spinach. I'll put in sauerkraut. I'll put in walnuts. I'll add all of these different items and make one shake with it, but I've got a daily supply. Then I don't have to worry about what I do for lunch or for dinner. I know the basic things are done. And that's, <laughs> for me, that's real easy, but that's a habit that I've gotten into that, that helps me with my workout habit, and they go together. So it's, 
It works for me. It may not work for everybody, but it works for me. But you start out as a small step like we talked about. Right. And that small step might be, I'm going to do that for breakfast or one one meal a day. Exactly. Before I get into the whole situation. Right. And like you were talking about where, you know, I'm interested in this area. I don't know who I might find out about that, but I'm going to call one person a day and talk to them about this and see what else I can find out about this. What's going on in my town, my city, my area? And, you know, is there a group that gets together and, and talks about this, focuses on, on this? And making one call a day can have an impact. And they may not, and always remember this, they may not have the answer you're looking for, but they may know who knows the answer to it. So it's always worth that call to pick up the phone and call. Okay, so starting out with small steps is important because you want to succeed at small steps. Right. You want to build up those wins. Okay. I get forward and... We talked about your mom with the the artistry and the mm-hmm. painting and everything. There were a lot of excuses that we have, but there's another word for excuses, a, a stumbling blocks or obstacles. Right. Whether they're real obstacles or perceived obstacles, they're just as meaningful. They can knock us off track they whether they're real off. or so, perceived. So how do, how do we address those? Well, one of the things, Ed, you know, if you think about obstacles, it can be everything. Well... You know, I don't have time to do that, or that costs too much to do that, or oh, that's going to be painful. And hey, uh, you know, we're not kidding anybody. We're all getting older. <laughs> I mean, we get we get pains from all sorts of things. That's, you know, I, I share with my daughters. I knew when I was starting to get old is when I bend over to tie my shoes. I look around and says, "Is there anything else I can do while I'm down here?" <laughs> There's, you know, a, there's a reason loafers are becoming more and more popular. Exactly. So I'm glad someone got a patent on those. You know, but, you know, well, the weather's not conducive to doing this, or I don't have enough space to do this. But sometimes when I take a look and you think, well, I don't have enough time to, you know, go out for a 45-minute walk. Well, you know what? I've only got 20 minutes. I'll go walk the hills for 20 minutes, and that's equivalent of what it would take to walk, you know, 45 minutes on flatland. So, you know, you can combine things to make things happen. You know, it's, you know I, I don't have the money to do this. Well, it doesn't always have to be at the very tip top to, to make things happen. You say, well, I can go do this and it'll work just as well. Or how, how can I find to do it with other people's money? Exactly. You know, are there free clubs? Are there free things that I can get involved with to, to decide if that's a habit I want to become involved with. Right. And, and sometimes when we lay out our goals and, we, and we're looking at the habits we want to create so that we are successful with these goals, you know, if we can identify the obstacles up front and say, okay, this is going to come up at some time. What can I do to overcome this? And if you can identify that, say, okay, there's an alternative every way. Because the easy thing we talked about, the easy thing is to say, Oh, it's raining. I can't do that. Or I don't have enough time today. You know, and well, it's because you didn't plan that time into your agenda. And so if you can look at your obstacles ahead of time, it makes it a lot easier to be able to plan with that and help that fulfill your your goals and create the habits that will make those strong goals for you. One of the biggest obstacles I had overcome was family members, friends saying, well, what do you know about that? Right. The obstacle of people's fears that they were projecting to me that created a fear in me that says well yeah maybe i don't know about that and that obstacle that i had to clear was saying i'm not going to listen to that right 
I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway because I'm stubborn. <laughs> I'm arrogant. But I, and I got to do so many things that taught me new lessons that I apply on a daily basis because I went past the obstacle of saying, oh, you're too old. Or what do you know about that? I mean, Chuck, it's raining today. Last Thursday, you and I got together. We rounded up a herd of, of uh, cattle. We brought them in the pens. Fortunately, it was not raining. Right. Today, we're having a monsoon rain. The mud's about four inches, three to four inches thick in the, in the pens. And at 6 a.m. this morning, my wife and I walked out in the rain, got those nine calves into the trailer to go to the auction. But you know where that came from? It came from watching a farmer in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, when we were back there for a nephew's wedding, who had two draft horses hooked to a plow, standing on the back of that plow. Now, this is the Amish country. They don't necessarily use tractors and everything. In a driving rain, working his pasture and working his field. I don't know if it was a pasture or crops or whatever. That made such an impression on me. That if that man is that dedicated to going forward, and he's overcome all the obstacles of wet leather on horses, of being on a plow, standing in the rain with no cover or anything, how much more can I do? And when you talk about being engaged, here's a man that was engaged in what he had to do. He was persistent. And he had an impact on me that he didn't even know because I was driving by at about 35 miles an hour. Yeah. And it's changed my life. It's not only changed my life, but changed the lives of many others as I share that story to say what you do to overcome those obstacles sends one of the loudest and most effective messages to people that you can ever spend. So when people come to you and say, oh, don't do that because you don't know anything about it, go forward. Right. Go forward because that that's a part of identifying the obstacles, listening to obstacles, but deciding that's not going to stop me. Overcome it. And how important do you think that farmer's goals were to him? Oh, yeah. That he was out doing it. People may have told him he was crazy. They said, hey, to have a successful crop, I've got to do this now. Yeah, my family and likes to eat. <laughs> exactly. It makes it <laughs> well, happen. They're going to be on a diet. Well, you know, you, you, you bring up an interesting point that Napoleon Hill in his famous book, Think and Grow Rich, talked about. And he studied Andrew Carnegie and William Randolph Hearst and all the famous millionaires back in the uh, last century. And, and one of the things that he found out about them, and he, he kind of came up with this, uh, that he looked at, he said, you know, most men become millionaires after the age of 40. That's one of the things, because they could focus on what they were doing. Right. But the second thing he noticed is where they actually be really succeeded in what they were doing was when they moved away from their hometown because they didn't have people telling them, well, you can't do that. What do you know about this? You don't know anything about farming. You don't know anything about, you know, electricity <laughs> uh, and so, but once they moved away from that and and one of the things that napoleon hill talked about is that people will will share with you the reasons that you won't be successful because at the same place in the same environment they have the same opportunities that you have to be successful and if you're successful you're going to make them look bad Right, And so when people would move away from that environment and take off on their own, there weren't a whole lot of things holding them back. 
And we always have to keep that in the back of our minds when we're going out and doing something new. People may challenge us and say, you know, why can you do that? What's going on? And say, hey, I'm gonna, I may not know a whole lot about it, but I can find out. That is neat. Yeah. Yeah. So the obstacles are not always physical obstacles. Correct. They are emotional obstacles. Right. Which going back and they can be a default behavior. They can be weather. It could be actual physical obstacles. But identify them and find a way to overcome them. That gets back to the persistence. Exactly. So all of this weaves in together that we talked about. Right. Of the uh, visioning it being persistent about it, taking small steps, and identifying the obstacles and stumbling blocks. Right. And, and when we've done that, we're going to have a little bit of success. At, what do we do at that point, Doug? Well, at that point, you want to reward yourself. You want to make sure that the emotions you're feeling at that time, give yourself a little reward. You know, make it feel good. I can remember with my, my grandson, I explained to him, because there was a time, when, you know, the twos and the threes, the terrible twos and threes time, when it was time to you know leave the playground, he would want to be still playing, and it's like we need to go. And you know, I said, I'll give you two minutes, and then we're we're going. You know, and throw a fit, and and so then say, okay, if when it's time to go, we'll go. And when if you eat your dinner, we'll get we'll get you a McFlurry, and just a reward for the behavior for everything along. And once he started to realize that, that if he changed his behaviors and his habits of like, hey, we're getting ready to go. Well, I'm giving you a warning. We've got just a few more minutes and then we're going. Because I realized if you surprised him and said, hey, we're leaving right now, he didn't have time to unwind with the other playmates he might have found. But you gave him that opportunity and then gave him reward for that. It worked very, very effectively. So, Okay. So we have the basics. Yeah. We've decided we're going to transition to a new habit. One of my favorite commercials that I laugh when I see it is a guy goes to the gym. He's, he's not in the best physical shape. Gets on a treadmill for about 18 seconds. Gets off with his headset, runs around the post, goes to the scale, gets on it. <laughs> runs back to the treadmill for about another 18 seconds. Runs back and checks the scale again. I don't think we can expect results that quickly. Transition to new habits has some stumbling blocks also that we have to to look at. For this man, instant gratification was a stumbling block, but how much time should it take? You know, it, and what you, like we had talked about, you want to start to ingrain the habits. And, and they say for, for simple to medium goals, you want to give it, you know, three weeks, 21 days to get it start to ingrain with you. But one of the, the keys is that, you know, 21 days isn't a magical number, but that's enough time to get you into the routine, into the pattern and the habit that you can continue with. Because you've got different goals. You've got, you know, minor goals and major goals. And sometimes some of your major goals that you have, it's not a 21-day goal. Well, I can't have ADD from a standpoint that I always have to keep setting new goals. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I find, and I'm, I'm just going to argue with you a little bit here, is that is that 21 days, if I say I can do this for 21 days, then I, looking at 21 days, I'm done. That I can break this, ha I can have this habit for 21 days, I can get it going, but at the end of 21 days, I might fall off the wagon because I've met the goal. I have conquered the standard of 21 days. And when I look at it, I look at it from the standpoint that I have to do this for the rest of my life. 
Not that I have to, that I want to. Because that gets me to the major goal of of fulfilling my purpose between now and the time that I'm not here. So I want to talk about that from a standpoint of, is this something that after 21 days you're one and done? No, it's, it, again, like I said, it's not a magical number, but it's about three weeks is when your mind starts to accept that new habit that you're creating, and it starts to put it into play for you. And it's not fighting it every day like, what, we're, we're going to exercise again today? We did that yesterday. You know, it's like the little kid, you know, his mom goes, son, it's time to go back to kindergarten this morning. Says, but mom, I went yesterday, but that was only your first day. You mean I have to go back again? <laughs> <laughs> You know, and that, but but you want your you want to be able to get your mind and, and get your routines into into effect. Where twenty one days is is where you're just getting everything in flowing good. It's, like I said, it's not a dead end. Okay, now I want to tie all this together, bring us back to the emotional impact of it. When we talked about pain and joy, and the doctor's appointment where he finally shows you the spot on the lungs, what makes transitioning to new habits the most successful is that uh when i look at it, I said the consequences of not making those habits well I, I think one of the one of the keys is you know i think consequences is a good word that you use there you know those potential consequences of not living to the highest potential that we have in store for us you know uh sometimes things are painful but you almost need to have them painful because they have good meaning Meaning, no no one arises to low expectations, and sometimes when we have some some good goals, they're going to be painful because it's going to take you to a newer level. You know, like we talked about earlier, where you get in shape and you get physically fit and healthy, and it gives you the energy to go out on some of these new adventures that you're looking at doing. I mean, there's some gratification to that, and so, but it may be a painful process, but we can get through those. <laughs> that just uh, remind me, I'm going to send Garth Brooks a new new uh, take on a song i've got friends with low expectations (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) okay we've got uh, about five minutes six minutes left in the show tell me some of the things that you can do to position yourself to be successful in this next transition well it's 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 it, it just because you're going into retirement doesn't mean you're retiring from the world there's a lot of things to explore and the thing is you've got unstructured time and so how do you take advantage of that instead of having it kind of implode on you you know how do you take advantage of that and one of the things you know try some new things find a new hobby you know look at look at a new type of career that you'd like to do you know get more engaged in a favorite activity you know, like cooking or golf or you know raising animals things that you've always have had a chance to you know, have a hand in it but now you got a chance to explore it just a little bit more and then value your time. It's interesting. We, we keep calendars throughout our entire career, working career, and then we get to retirement, we kind of lose track of that calendar. But, man, that helps us look at quite a few things. It helps us keep track of the good things going on. You know, we've got regular appointments. But it also helps us to be proactive. When you kind of look and say, you know what, I don't have anything going on for the rest of the month. I can, I can go explore a couple of things to make some things happen there. But I think one of the key things is, Prioritize the good stuff. Life's short. You know, make sure you got time for the good stuff. We always have time to clean the house and do a couple of things. Not the stuff you've already established as a routine from prior. Right. To, to establish your routine based on where you want to go. Exactly. You know, and, and again, you know, it's, you know, look after yourself. 
that you know the good lord gave us a, a body and and you know we're supposed to consider it a temple you know and at this time of our life don't treat it like a bowling alley <laughs> you know so you know exercise your body exercise your mind you know manage your health i love hall of famer satchel page he's a hall of fame baseball player from the last century and he said how old would you be if you didn't know how old you was <laughs> i mean just what a great quote and i think so much of that is meant they talked to 90 year olds they said you know what got you to 90 he said well i never felt like i was 90 Right. And I think there's so much to that. And I think another one, you know, reaching out, caring for others, for parents, for children, for friends. In your situation, you're caring for animals. You know, that's a big key there. And socialize. Get out, you know, with family, friends, join clubs, you know, utilizing social media. Those are all things that make it, you know, just so engaging and having fun with it. And it gives you perspective. Exactly. And it puts that unstructured time into, into some good use there. And then work at something. You know, we, we had talked about, you know, Habitat for Humanity, the people that you meet doing that. There's some great things doing to helping people with that. You can work part-time in an existing career or part-time in a new career that you want to do. That's all available for you. So those are all some good things to do to stay engaged. Staying engaged. At our next show, I'm going to share a story about how an individual that came from a very successful career, moved into a small retirement area, to hermitize. He was going to just spend time with his wife, be with some animals and everything. And how he remained engaged changed an entire community. Yeah. Uh, so next time we'll talk about Chuck Roy. Another okay. Chuck who's <laughs> on an amazing journey. Chuck, what an amazing way. If people want to uh, get a hold of you, best way to do that. AdventureJerky.com AdventureJerky.com yep. Lots of good information and, uh, if If they want to join us on this journey... There is a book available and a workbook that we'll start uh, pulling sections out. Now, we're talking about creating new habits. We always leave the, the show with an assignment for their next show. What should our listeners do for their next show? Well, here's a couple of things for, for the f- next week You know, I think would be good. Identify some key habits you want to work on that are going to help you reach your goals and figure out how to put these into a daily or a weekly routine. And then keep tabs with the calendar how well you're doing with that. And I think those are, if you can do that with one or two, two things to work on, that'll be plenty for you. The other way that's a great way to take this journey is with friends. Exactly. And have someone that you're accountable to, that, that you're sharing a passion of helping each other to, the, to your next goal or your next area of significance, although the two areas don't have to be the same. Exactly. To so have someone going, just yep. like you and I. Well, you're listening to 21.6 The Net. What an exciting show on the adventures of unstructured time with your host, Chuck Enman, and Ron Hofstra. We ask you to tune in every Monday from 11 a.m. to 12 noon as you make the rest of your life the best of your life. Hi, I'm Rancher Ron, and I'm excited at how many ways you can access your daily dose of encouragement on 21.6 The Net. 
If you normally listen on your laptop or desktop computer, go to our website at 216thenet.com and click on the Listen Live tab as it comes onto the screen. Whatever's playing at that time will immediately be put into your earplug. If you've missed a show or would like to go back and listen to something again, go to the tab at the top of the site that says Past Show Podcasts, click on that, then find the show that you want to listen to, click again. You'll enjoy past shows whenever you want to hear them. If you're constantly on the move like I am, don't worry. You can take your daily dose of encouragement with you on any of your mobile devices. Go to the Google Play or Apple Store and download the appropriate app for 21.6 The Net. Then push a little button on your phone or your tablet and you'll have 21.6 The Net with you wherever you go. Thank you for being a loyal listener of our radio station. And this is Rancher Ron with your daily dose of encouragement. Experience, education, character, and inherent ability with numbers. An exceptional CPA. These are the reasons why business owners choose Eric Mason of Mobile Accounting for their bookkeeping, payroll, and tax services. Call Eric at Mobile Accounting, 224-321-6859. That's 224-321-6859. 216thNet is supported by highly reputable sponsors like Xtech Repair. Why do customers keep coming back to XTech Repair? Because of owners committed to building relationships. No one-and-done attitudes. Their 60-day guarantee on all repairs and IT service subscription plans that help business customers avoid the shock of a large, unexpected repair bill. XTech addresses all your IT needs in one place. Web design, web hosting, social media support, custom-built desktops with a two-year parts and labor warranty, and just for fun, gaming machines with repair and service support. Visit online, xtech.repair. That's X-T-E-K dot R-E-P-A-I-R. Visit in person at the corner of Pingree and 176 in Crystal Lake, Illinois, or call 815 815- 516-8075. That's 815-516-8075. X-Tech Repair for IT done right the first time. 216 The Net is brought to you in part by the generous support of our sponsor, Northern Illinois Windows, Inc. We are a commercial and residential window servicing company committed to providing the highest quality service at an affordable price. Our highly trained technicians will make every aspect of your window cleaning needs worry-free. Northern Illinois Windows, Inc. 815-385-6646. Again, 815-385-6646. 216thNet is sponsored and supported in part by Natural Therapy Wellness Center. 815-385-8190. McHenryMassage.com. How often do you take time for yourself? A massage can be a great way to pamper yourself, but it can also help alleviate or sometimes even cure those ailments that you deal with regularly. 
Contact us today to speak to one of our certified therapists about your needs. Natural Therapy Wellness Center, 815-385-8190. 216thNet is sponsored by Sticker Dude, the creators of Vinyl Chaos. 815-322-2480, StickerDude.com. The Sticker Dude team brings over 25 years of experience from the graphic, marketing, and sales industry. Advertising on vehicles and other services, full attention on the design, print, and installation is given to your project. From in-house full-time installers to our top-of-the-line printing and finishing room. Contact us today to learn what you need to look for and why before committing to making an investment in vehicle wraps. We're not your corner sign shop. Sticker Dude, 